Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence. May your word continue to be our rule, your spirit our teacher, and your greater glory our greatest desire. We pray that through these words we would all see Jesus and him only. And we ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Several years ago, a classic book came out entitled The Greatest Story Ever Told. I'm sure that millions of people knew the subject of the book long before they opened its pages. As you know, it is the story of Jesus Christ, the greatest storyteller who ever lived, who told perhaps the greatest stories ever heard, the parables. A parable, as you know, is like a treasure chest. Inside each parable is a nugget of truth, and it takes a heavenly key to unlock the earthly stories to reveal the nugget of spiritual truth that is found inside. Our gospel story this morning is easy enough to understand at the surface. A great host sends out invitations, prepares a huge party, and then informs the invitees that it's time to come. The response is underwhelming, to say the least. Those invited stay away, making lame excuses at the very end. Undeterred, our great host will not have an empty house and decides to replace people of propriety and social standing with those at the bottom of the social pyramid the poor, the lame, and the blind, those who are hungry physically and spiritually, who are distracted, who are not distracted by wealth or possessions, vocations, or affections, that have no excuses, only gratefulness. The great host is a great man with a great mansion, and he insists that his servants go out to such a people even a second time so that the banquet hall and mansion will be full. And to interpret this parable, we need to know that the great host is, of course, God himself. <clears throat> the original invitees are the Jews, who God prepared especially for this time. He sent his servants, the prophets, to call them to the table. But by them rejecting Christ himself, they also rejected sitting at his table. The supper refers to the great judgment at the end of time, when God will reward the righteous and the sinner. Around the table, God regularly hands out forgiveness to his people and judgment to the rest. The food is Jesus Christ himself, offered at his own banquet. This parable of fellowship pictures a God who invites everyone at every time from every place to come to his table of fellowship to partake in the presence of Christ himself, just as we do in communion, experiencing the bread of grace, drinking the cup of salvation, and enjoying his presence forever. It is an invitation that calls for an RSVP. Now I find it reassuring that the Lord Jesus compares 
salvation and fellowship with himself to a feast. Some Christians would want you to think that the Christian life is either a fast, a funeral, or a famine. When God invites us to salvation, friends, he doesn't invite us to a funeral. He invites us to a feast, a joyous feast. St. Matthews knows how to throw a joyous feast, don't they? Amen. <laughs> if there's anyone on this planet that ought to walk around with joy in their heart and a smile on their face, it ought to be us, you and me. We are a child of the King, children of God. In our parable, Jesus describes an amazing turn of events. The door is open. The host is waiting. Every piece of silverware in China is in its exact place. The centerpiece is exquisite. The bowls and dishes are filled with overflowing gourmet food, just as we had the other night. The servants are standing by, waiting to serve. But no one shows up, even after they RSVP. And now the excuses start to flow. How many teachers do we have here? You'll probably recognize this. Talk about excuses. I'm, I, my dog ate the homework. <laughs> or better yet, here's one. I had a car accident. The police impounded the car. And my term paper is in the glove compartment. And the police have the keys. And the impoundment yard won't be open until next Monday. Just as those, the excuses Jesus heard in our parable can also be heard today. The first excuse from scripture, I have bought a piece of ground and must go and see it. This person's problem was their wealth. They were in the real estate business and had dollar signs for eyes. They were more interested in their land than the Lord. The next one out from scripture says, I have bought five oxen and I'm going to test them out. This person's problem was their work and their possessions. Did they own things or did things own them? They were also more interested in business first and didn't have time for fellowship with the Lord. The last one said out of scripture, I have married a wife and cannot come to the banquet. This person's problem was placing family before God. Make your family God and you will place on them a burden too heavy for that family member to bear. Where parents worship children or one spouse worships the other, then you will have issues. Only God is to be worshiped and we would be wise to remember that deep in our hearts. Besides, this may be the lamest excuse ever. Who ever heard of a wife who did not like to be taken out to dinner to a fancy banquet? <laughs> now, what is the point that Jesus was trying to make here? How do we answer the so what question? Why does he list three excuses? To remind us of this truth, beloved, there is no valid reason nor legitimate excuse to reject God's invitation to salvation and fellowship. There is no valid reason 
nor legitimate excuse to reject God's invitation to salvation and fellowship. Friends, please understand there is nothing wrong with wealth in and of itself. The Bible says it is the Lord your God that gives you the power to acquire wealth. There is nothing wrong with work. God himself said six days you shall work. There is certainly nothing wrong with a wife. The Bible says he who finds a wife finds a very, very, very good thing. But whenever wealth or work or even your wife or family comes between you and Jesus Christ, those things will be problematic. Unfortunately, as in our parable, many will still reject Christ's invitation for fellowship and membership into his kingdom. They will reject the invitation to his banquet. It is a banquet symbolic of the feast found in Revelation called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb where believers will have intimate fellowship with the Lord and a place at the banquet table in his eternal kingdom. Symbolically, it speaks of that grand and glorious day when Christ comes again to receive his own. On that day, the church, the body of Christ, becomes the bride of Christ. In other words, Christ the groom marrying his bride, the church. And that results in the ultimate marriage celebration and banquet. And to have a reserved seat at that banquet does require an RSVP. And that RSVP requires our faith, an invitation that is given by grace and received by our faith. While we are here participating in his earthly kingdom as children of God, we live by faith. Ever wondered what Jesus is doing in heaven? Scripture teaches us in the Gospel of John that he is preparing a mansion and a banquet for you and I. He wants us to live in one and partake with him in the other. Have you RSVP'd yet? With God's grace through our faith, may we all accept that invitation without any excuses. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.